Let's see. Check one, two. Check one, two. Should we start again? <laughs> I'm pretty sure the audio is working now. Sorry about that. Sometimes that's what happens. And then I don't notice for like a minute or two. Have I been talking for like over two minutes and I didn't realize it. So, I see in the chat many, many people saying that they can't hear me. I really hope that it is fixed now. I will check. <laughs> Sorry, I hear people in the chat or I see people in the chat saying no sound or did I go deaf? Are we all <laughs> having trouble hearing? So, Sorry about that. Every once in a while, I have a little technical glitch but so far, so good. I guess I should start again, shouldn't I? Hi, I'm Bob the Canadian. I teach English here on YouTube. I just wanna say a huge welcome to all of you. On Saturday, what I do is if you use the form that Todd and Dave will link in the chat, you can ask me a question about the English language and I try my best to answer it. So, once again, I apologize that the audio wasn't working for a little bit there. Sometimes that happens. So, anyways, it looks like everything is working now. Before I start, uh, earlier in the chat, Victor was asking about if I could give some advice about how to practice speaking by talking to yourself. So, there's a few things you can do to practice your speaking by yourself. One is you can read out loud. So, when you're reading a book, Even though it's not really a conversation, try reading out loud to exercise the muscles in your mouth. Another thing that you can do is you can have pretend conversations with yourself. You can say things like, good morning, Bob. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Hey, how was that movie that you saw last night? It was really good. So, you can pretend to have conversations with yourself. The third thing you can do is you can narrate your life. What that means is that Everything you do for about 10 or 15 minutes, describe it out loud. So, you could say, I'm thirsty. I'm going to drink some water. Mmm, that water tasted really good. So, uh, just a few ways that you can practice your speaking if you are by yourself. Hey, I'm gonna pull up the first question in just a moment. Let me get it lined up and on the screen. Let's see here. Um... Think I'm doing this right now. I'm all stressed because the audio wasn't working. Uh, Shanae says, hello, teacher. What is the difference between beneficial and advantageous and critical and important? Those two words as pairs, so first of all, beneficial and advantageous, um, mean very much the same thing, okay? If something is beneficial or if something is advantageous, it's something that is good for me or helps me, okay? It's beneficial to drink lots of water. It's advantageous to drink lots of water. Honestly, we would probably use the word beneficial more. It sounds to me like it's a little more common Um, but they both mean something that is good for me, something that is a benefit that comes from the word beneficial or something that is an advantage which comes from the word advantageous. If something is critical or important, that also means the same thing, okay? So, different than beneficial and advantageous. So, we're separating the definitions but critical and important are the same thing. You could say that it's critical that you buy gas for your car today because it's almost out of gas Um, or you could say it's important that I buy gas for my car today because it's almost out of gas. Never a good thing when your car is almost out of gas. Let's see here. Johnny from Brazil has the next question. Johnny says, good morning, Bob. 
Good to see you again. What does fuss over somebody mean? For instance, she is always fussing over that son of hers as if you were a little boy. Thanks. When you fuss over someone, it means that you take care of them but maybe to the extreme. Maybe it's too much. So, let's say that you are a grown man. Let's say I went to visit my mom and I was wearing a tie and it was crooked and let's say my hair was long and it was out of place. As a grown man, if my mom was like straightening my tie for me and then trying to make my hair straight, we would say she is fussing over me, okay? Um, I, it doesn't have to be a grown person by the way. Um, a mom or a dad can fuss over their child. Often when one of our kids is going to school, if it's picture day, so they take pictures once a year, sometimes Jen or I will fuss over them before they leave. We'll make sure their collar is straight on their shirt. Um, we'll make sure that everything is proper, that their hair looks good before they leave. So, we will fuss over them a little bit. Great question by the way. Um, I'm just feeling like I should do an audio check for a minute. Let me just check it. Excellent. Phew. Do you know that expression in English? Phew. Everything is working. Um, let's see here. Uh, oh yeah. Next question. Sorry. Um, let's see here. Uh, next question. Um, let me just check something with the audio for a sec, people. Um, Sorry to go quiet on you. I'll try to talk while I'm doing this. Just my computer is giving me a weird um a weird little error here. So, um okay. Let's get to the next question. Sorry. I think everything's working. Uh hi teacher Bob. Could you explain the difference between metaphor and analogy? Thank you. Well, an analogy is when you say something is like something else, right? So, he is as fast as a cheetah. He runs like the wind. Um she is uh she is pretty like a flower. Those are all analogies. Um a metaphor is a little more poetic, okay? So, a metaphor would be comparing something to someone um but definitely um using a, a little bit more poetic language, I would say. Uh let me get to the next question here. Um Next question is from Rod, the Brazilian English teacher. Hi, Rod. Good morning, Mr. Bob. What skill do you like most to talk and teach about? Reading, writing, speaking, or listening? Thanks so much. Have a great Saturday. So, um my video this past week were uh, was the results of a survey I did and one of the questions on the survey was I asked people what their favorite thing to do was when they were learning English and Rod's kind of asking the same thing here. Um when I talk and teach, I really like reading. If I was to choose one thing, the thing I like the most is reading. I like speaking as well. Um writing not so much but I do force myself to do it when I'm practicing French uh and I like listening. So, reading and listening would be my top two. Hey, I wanna say thanks to Galnaz for becoming a member of the channel. Thank you so much, Galnaz. Um you will now have your name in green and you'll have a small crown beside your name in the chat during live streams and there are a few other perks that you get when you become a member when you click that join button below. So, thank you so much for joining. Um before I leave Rod's question though, I just wanna remind you that part two of Rod's interview with me will be on his channel later today. Uh so, go and check it out. If you last week were able to watch part one, Rod and I sat down via Zoom and had a nice chat. Uh it was super fun. 
uh, and he put part one up on his YouTube channel yesterday and part two will be up today. By the way, his channel is called Rod the Brazilian English Teacher. So, head over there later and have a look. Maybe watch part one uh before part two comes out. Dora says, hello, Bob. I'd like to know the meanings of literally, eventually and ultimately. Thanks a lot. So, literally means that it happened, okay? So, if I say um I was driving down the road and um 100 sheep literally crossed the road in front of me. It means that if I counted, there were actually 100 sheep. So, when something happens when it's literal or when it happens literally, it's the the actual facts as opposed to you can exaggerate sometimes. I could say, oh, I stopped because thousands of sheep were walking across the road. There might have only been one or 200. So, if I say, oh, thousands of sheep, that's kind of I'm exaggerating but if I was stopped and exactly 100 sheep walked across the road. I could say there were literally 100 sheep. I counted them. When something happens uh in the future, when you're waiting for something to happen, you say that it will happen eventually, okay? So, on my YouTube channel, I think eventually I might have 1 million subscribers. Although, I don't know. I think that at some point, it will slow down a bit but eventually, I might have uh 1 million. We'll see. Uh and then ultimately, my goal is to just teach good lessons every week. The number of subscribers, it's kind of cool but it's not the most important thing to me. So, ultimately, if you ask me what my goal was, my goal is to just teach a good lesson each week. Um so, there was an example of each of those words. Uh let's see here. Next question is from Ivan. Ivan says, hi, Bob. I have a question about the correct usage of the article hi. Which one is correct? Oh, let's okay. Let's go to the Walmart. Let's go to Walmart. Let's go to the Walmart store. So, the most common one would be let's go to Walmart. When we talk about the store Walmart, we usually say let's go to Walmart. Do you wanna go to Walmart? Yeah, let's go to Walmart. We might also say do you wanna go to the Walmart store or do you wanna go to the Zares store? That's maybe less common and then the first one, let's go to the Walmart, we wouldn't say. I just wouldn't hear that in regular uh everyday English conversation. We would almost 90% of the time here, let's go to Walmart. Exactly like that. Um let's go to Canadian Tire. Let's go to Walmart. Let's go to Home Hardware. Those are just a few stores. Um let's see here. Modine. Hi, Modine. Hi, Mr. Bob. How's your weekend going so far? Pretty good. Uh, except for that little glitch where the audio didn't work at the beginning of the live stream. But other than that, it's going well. Does the word Chesterfield get used a lot in your part of Canada when it comes to meaning sofa or couch? Many thanks. So, there's this conception that in Canada, we call a couch a Chesterfield. I'll be honest with you. In my life and in my part of Canada, we have always referred to it as a couch or sofa. We know the word Chesterfield. I'm a I'm aware of the word Chesterfield but I have not really used the word Chesterfield ever in English conversation. There might be some parts of Canada where they do but I'm just saying that for me, when I come home and I need to relax, I sit on the couch. So, couch is probably the most uh common word that I use. Let me do an audio check again, everybody. Looks like everything's working great. Uh let's see here. Um 
Let's see here. Athanasios GR says, good morning, teacher. What's good or what's happening maybe? Is everything good? Yeah, everything's good, I think. Could you please explain to me the difference between pay up front versus pay in advance? Thank you. So, they are exactly the same thing. Um, I do want to welcome the newest member. Although, uh, if someone could help me with the alphabet and the characters, I don't know how to pronounce your name but thank you so much for becoming a member of my channel. That's awesome of you. So, here's a great example. In Canada, in the big city, when you buy gas at night, you need to pay in advance or pay up front. Okay? They don't let you put gas in your car and then go in and pay after you fill your car. During the day in Canada, you can actually fill your car with gas and when you're done putting gas in your car, you can go in and pay. So, you can pay after you fill your car up. At night, at many gas stations, you need to pay up front or you need to pay in advance. So, that means before you can use the gas pump to fill your car, you need to go into um the store or the little area where you pay and you need to say, you know, I need $50 worth of gas and you pay in advance. Um generally though, people in Canada just pay at the pump. So, we use our bank card or our visa card to pay at the actual gas pump but that would be the difference between those two Athanasios. Um let me see here. Um Luke. Hi, Luke. Hi, Bob. Which form would you use? Food decays, rots, goes off. Could you use the word circumvent in a sentence? Thanks. So, yes. We actually say food goes bad. Okay? So, there are many ways to talk about food that you can't eat anymore because it's so old. It might be moldy or rotten. The way we describe it is we say, you know, oh, the cheese has gone bad or the milk has gone bad or hey, that chicken we put in the fridge a few days ago, um when you smell it, you might say, oh, I think the chicken's gone bad. We sometimes say it's starting to rot. When we talk about bread in particular, usually we're like, oh, the bread is moldy. You know, when it starts to get the green uh mold growing on it. In order to circumvent that, (laughs) you want to eat your food as quickly as possible. So, when you circumvent something, it means you go around it or you avoid it. Um I do wanna stop and say hi to everyone in the chat. I see Panthera Nori is there. Bernadette is there. I know Rod is there. Dave and Todd are here moderating. I know that Rachel Ting is here. I know Lolly Lolly is here. Um I'm just scrolling back. Brent from American English with this guy is here. It's just awesome to see all of you. Julia Olise is here. Um so many familiar names for me. It's cool to see all of you. I know Modine is here. Uh, and I know many of you are here and watching every week. It's so cool uh, that you guys hang out and learn a little bit of English with me. So, thank you uh, for being here. I know Athanasios is here. I called him Nathan GR earlier because that's the name he used to use but now he uses his actual name. So, that's cool. Let's see here. And Eduardo is here and here's a question from Eduardo. Hi, Bob. Can I say get out of here as to say I can't believe you and the difference between someone and somebody. Thank you. So, If someone says to me, um, did you hear that mom, did you hear that my mom bought another dog? I could say, get out of here and it means I don't believe you. It doesn't mean that I want the person to leave. So, if I say, get out of here if I and I if I say it in that tone, it means exactly the same thing as I can't believe you. If Eduardo said he bought a lottery ticket and won $10 million, I I would probably say, get out of here or I would say, get out of here. 
Um, and basically what I'm saying is whatever you've told me sounds untrue. Like it's cool but I don't quite believe you. Um and then someone and somebody. So, the other day someone told me that the cases of COVID were going up. The other day someone told me that the cases of COVID were going up. Um so, they can be used interchangeably. Okay. So, um I could say um the other day I was walking around and I decided I was going to say hi to someone when they walked by. I could also say I was gonna say hi to somebody if they walked by. So, they are very interchangeable. There's probably a difference, Eduardo, but I can't think of one uh, off the top of my head right now. Sorry. Uh let's see here. Donnie says, how you doing, Uncle Bob? Pretty good, Donnie. Please, can you tell us about how did you stop being a construction worker and become an English teacher? Thanks a lot. So, first of all, I did construction work during the summers. It's very common in North America and in other parts of the world for university students to work in the summer to earn money to help pay for university. So, I went to university from September until April and then during the months of May, June, July and August, I worked as a construction worker, okay? So, I didn't really have a job as a construction worker and then I quit to become a teacher. I did construction work in the summer on summer vacation when I was in university. So, that's the explanation there. Um it was a fun job. I really liked it. You learn a lot of really cool skills when you're a construction worker. Uh let's see here. I hear Brent saying, (laughs) my daughter's school has to shut down for two weeks because there's so many cases. Thankfully, my son's school which is my school is still open. Yeah, Brent, I think we're close to partial shutdowns in Ontario, Canada as well. Things are getting the graphs going up rather quickly. So, we'll see what happens in the next few days. Uh let's see here. Ario says, hello, Mr. Bob. 11 p.m. here. Night. Wow, that's late. My question is, what's the difference between put it and put it away? Thank you. So, I could say when I bring groceries home, I'm going, if I take a box or a can of food. I could say I'm going to put it in the cupboard. I'm going to put it on the table. I'm going to put it on the counter. So, notice when I say put it, I always name the place where it's going to go. I'm going to put it in the fridge. I'm going to put it in the cupboard. Um when we say put it away, we don't need to name what we're where we're putting it. So, I could say, oh, I'm gonna put away the milk. I'm gonna put away this food. I'm gonna put the bread away. So, we don't have to say where we're putting it. You can but if you use put it, you almost always need to say where you're going to put it, okay? So, for instance, I lifted this glass. Um I took a drink of water and now I'm going to put it down, okay? So, I guess down isn't exactly a place but you do have to say more then just put it. You have to kind of say where it's going or give it some direction. Uh let's see here. Famita says, hello, teacher Bob. Hello, Famita. Difference between village and countryside. How often do you use village? Thank you. So, village is a word that you hear in English but there aren't actually a lot of villages where I live, okay? We usually use the word town and if it's big enough, it gets declared a city, okay? So, I live close to the city of Hamilton 
I also live close to the town of Ancaster. Okay, so you can use those two words. Village is a very, very small town. There are a few villages in my area but it's not a very common word. It's a very common word I think in other English speaking countries Um, but where I live generally if it's small we say town. If it's larger we say city. Um let me see here and the difference between village and countryside. So, countryside is definitely when you're driving out in the countryside you will see farms. You will definitely be outside of a town or outside of a city or outside of a village. Okay? So, if you lived in a village we wouldn't say that you live in the countryside. You would actually need to be out living close to the farmers like where I live. Uh let me see here. Keep going. So, Lolly Lolly says, bonjour, Bob. Please, could you tell me the difference between presume and assume? Merci, Bob. Well, they both have very similar meanings. It's when you think something is true with very little facts or very little evidence. So, when you um like if I just presume someone is um let me see. What's a good way to look at that? Here's a good way to look at it. If you see a woman and the woman is somewhat large, you shouldn't presume that she's pregnant, okay? And you shouldn't assume that she's pregnant. You shouldn't assume or presume that she's going to have a baby because maybe she just ate a lot of food and it would be awkward if (laughs) if you assumed that she was going to have a baby. So, presume and assume are very similar. We use the word assume a lot more. Presume sounds somewhat formal to me. Uh give me a sec here to do a tech check. There we go. Things are going good. Um let's get to the next question. Next question is from Katarina. Hello, Bob. How's your work going? How are you coping with the second wave of COVID-19? So, that's a good question. Yesterday was the first day where I told my students, please take all of your books home every night whether you have homework or not because I feel like in about two weeks or three weeks if we don't flatten the curve, I feel like we might be in another lockdown or learn from home situation. I hope not. We are close to our Christmas break. We have four weeks of school and then we have a break anyways and they're talking about possibly having a longer Christmas break. So, we'll see. Um we'll see how it goes. Hopefully, it goes well. <laughs> this is from Ron from Japan. Hi, Bob. How are you doing? I wanna ask you how I should brush up on my English writing and paraphrasing skills. Yeah, this is a tricky one because like paraphrasing or summarizing something, you almost need someone else to look at it to make sure you did it correctly. If you have an English speaking partner, you can start to ask them to look at your writing as well but I would certainly look for a way to formally and regularly do writing and look for an English teacher to give you feedback on that writing, okay? It's good to write all the time in English but when you're practicing a certain skill like paraphrasing or summarizing, you might wanna get feedback from an English speaker. That would be a good thing to do. Um sorry, there's <laughs> I'm off my game because my laptop keeps giving me a little error message 
And then it causes stress because I think things aren't working, but it seems like things are working really well. Error messages on computers can be very stressful. Let's just power through though. Let's just keep going. Uh, let's see here. Daria says, hi, teacher Bob. How should we deal with many unknown words in a novel? It makes understanding very difficult. Little correction there. And thanks for your amazing lessons. God bless you. Well, Daria, here's what you need to do. First of all, if you need to look up every other word, there's a good chance the novel is too difficult for you. If you can read a novel and you only have to look up one word on every page, there's a good chance the novel is maybe too easy for you. So, the first thing you need to do is is try to find something to read where you're only looking up a few words, maybe two words per paragraph so that you can continue reading and understand what's happening without having to stop too often to look up words. If you need to look up five words per page, that's totally fine. If you need to look up 30 or 40 words per page, you might wanna find something that's a little more uh just a little easier to understand. So, start the whole range is start from children's books all the way up to uh like adult fiction bestsellers. So, find something in the middle um that is helpful. But the other thing you can do is just power through. When I read uh The Hobbit in French, I was looking up 20 words per page. This was years ago and I just read the whole book. I underlined and looked up every single word and then when I was done, I waited about a month and then I read the book again and that was very helpful. So, um yeah, it's good though to read at a level that makes sense to you. Uh next question is from Abel from Texas and Abel says, hi, Bob. I hope you're doing great. I am. In what situations would you describe that something is falling down, falling over, falling off, etc.? Thank you. So, let's imagine a book on a bookshelf, okay? So, if the book on the bookshelf um fell off the shelf and landed on the floor, I would say the book was falling down, okay? Um did you see that book fall down? If the book on the shelf just fell over but it's still on the shelf. If it did this, I would say that the book fell over, okay? Um and if the book fell over and then fell off the shelf, I would say that it fell off. So, I know this didn't make a lot of sense. Let me re-explain. If I see books falling, you know, falling off and falling down are very similar for sure. If Let me back up again though. Let's look at it from the perspective of an object. If a book falls off a shelf and lands on the floor, you could say the book fell down or the book fell off, okay? If you say that's the book just fell over and it's still on the shelf, you would say fall over. But if you're talking about people, um people fall down sometimes too and people fall over sometimes too and it's the same thing. Um So, I would say fall down and fall over are very, very similar. Sorry, I would say fall down and fall off. Oh boy, I'm getting more confusing, aren't I? Yes, I can see why you're confused. Just everyone forget everything I just said and let's start again. A book can fall down or fall off a shelf. Boom, I would use the same two phrases. A book on a shelf can fall over as well but then it's still on the shelf. If you're talking about people, 
people can fall down or fall over, okay? But people can only fall off of something. So if you're on a motorcycle, you could fall off. I hope that wasn't more confusing than it was uh what that it needed to be. Um hopefully that made some sense for you. Sorry if it was a little bit uh of a long explanation. Let's see here. Uh Ruslan says, "Hello sir, how are you doing?" How to say this right? The last but not the least or last but not least best wishes. We say last but not least, okay? So let's say someone is choosing a team and they choose one person and then the other person chooses someone and then there's only one person left. You would say last but not least. It means that if you are the last person chosen for something, it doesn't mean you're not good at it. That's what I would say. Uh let's see here. Uh Pradeep says, is there any difference between beneficiary and benefactor? So, what you have to realize is that a beneficiary is the person who receives everything. Um let me just make sure I look this up to get it right. So, yeah. So, a beneficiary is the person who receives the benefit. The benefactor is the person who gives it. Okay. So, let's pretend that there is a wealthy person in town who likes to give money to a local school. The school is the beneficiary. The school is receiving money. The rich person is the benefactor. They are the person who is giving the money. Uh let's see here. I need to make a small change. Everyone just wait. I do want to say hi to the 500 and 58 people who are watching. We are going to quickly switch to members only chat. So, thank you so much for uh being here. If you are one of the people who is a member, thank you so much for supporting my channel. If you would like to become a member, there is a join button somewhere down below. You can click it and read about some of the benefits that you get. You would be the beneficiary of those benefits um if you uh join this channel. But if you are a member, you are free to ask questions in the chat now. This is the only time during the lesson where I take questions from the chat and I'm gonna start with Anuat who says, hi, teacher Bob. How's the weather? Does Ontario have snow right now? Stay safe. So, Anuat, we do not have snow but it was minus one degrees Celsius last night. It's definitely getting cold at night. And if I look at the weather forecast, they are predicting that we might have snow later this week. It will probably just be a small amount of snow. I don't think it will be a lot of snow but we might see our first snowfall. Uh Panthera Nori is talking to Alexi. Um excellent that you're having conversations. Julia Oli says, good evening, dear teacher. Could you please explain the word aptly and is it a common word? So, if if you say someone is aptly named. It means that their name matches their characteristics. Um so, let's say that someone has a very strong and bold name. You would say that they're aptly named. So, uh yes, we do use that word from time to time. Let's see here. Manaka says, what is the meaning of dumbfounded and dumbfounded by behavior? When you're dumbfounded, it means you can't really believe what happened. It means you've seen something and you you don't even know what to say. You're just dumbfounded. Um it doesn't mean you're dumb. It just means that you've read something or you've seen something that was really hard to believe and you just don't know what to say. So, you are dumbfounded. And then Lolly says, 
Bob, do you sometimes speak French with your children? Thanks. No, pas du tout. Je ne parle pas français avec mes enfants uh, parce qu'ils n'aiment pas le français. Um, my kids don't actually like French that much. I mean, they like it to a certain degree, um, but not as much as I do. So, uh, no, Lolly. Uh, very rare for me to do that. Um, and then let me see here. Panthera Nori says, Dear teacher Bob, I've read a word recount, but it seemed it meant like to narrate or to tell. Is it so? Oh, okay. So, you're gonna see the word recount a lot in the news right now because in the United States, they had an election. And in some states, they've counted the votes, but because the race is so close, they need to recount the votes. So, that's one meaning of the word recount that you will see a lot right now. It means to count again. But I can recount a story as well, which means to tell a story. You could say, oh, my uncle is so funny. He likes to recount the funniest stories. It's kind of a formal sounding word, but it means to tell a story. So, that might be, you might be seeing the word a lot with the one meaning in the news, but it actually has two meanings. Uh, tag 23 says, hello, teacher Bob from Piedras Negras Cojilla, close to Texas. Well, thank you very much for being here. Bernadette says, hello, Bob. Can you explain the difference between scream and shout? Thank you in advance for your answer. So, when you shout at someone, it means that you're using words and speaking very loudly. Like, if I say, hey, stop doing that. So, if I raise my voice and speak very loudly and I'm saying words, I'm shouting. Generally, when you scream, you're just going, ah, I I don't scream very well. You can though use the word scream to mean to shout. So, I could say, ah, I was just screaming at those kids to stop playing their music so loud. But generally, when you shout, you're using words. And usually when you scream, you're just making like a sound like you're scared. Like someone scared you and you were like, ah, you just started screaming. That's how I would describe those two. Um, Lolly says, merci, Bob. Thanks, Bob. Brent says, I was asked, what is the typical American food? I really like the question. So, I'll ask you, what is the typical Canadian food? The typical Canadian food is the same as the typical American food. No, there are regional differences. Um, we like to say that poutine is one of our typical Canadian foods but I don't actually eat that very much. Um, I think a typical Canadian food would be hamburgers and fries and pizza. Probably our typical foods are all the same foods that Americans eat regularly from different restaurants. So, I would say pizza is probably the most popular food in Canada. Um, and I'm just basing that on in our local town, there is one restaurant that serves hamburgers. There is one restaurant that has subs and there are four pizzerias. There are four places that sell pizza. So, I would say pizza is definitely one of the top foods in Canada. Uh, thanks, Brent. Uh, Julia says, thank you so much. No problem, Julia. Panthera says, teacher Bob, thank you. Yeah, it was in a book not about the election. Thanks a lot. No problem, Panthera. Um, Bernadette, thank you so much for the clear information. I try my best. Panthera says, dear teacher or teacher Bob, down the hatch is an expression that is usually said before drinking. Does it mean not just to drink but to empty the glass? It just means to drink. It's usually used uh, when you're talking about alcoholic beverages but it can be used for others. Um, and it, I think it sometimes refers to finishing the glass but I don't think you have to but 
It's I you know when people drink shots. So, they have a small glass of an alcoholic beverage and they'll say down the hatch and then they will drink it. By the way, um Bernadette said, thank you so much for the clear information. Earlier before the lesson started in the chat, someone said that I was the best English teacher on YouTube and I would like to disagree with that but what I think if there was an award for YouTube teachers, I think I should win the um most consistent teacher on YouTube. That would be the award (laughs) that I would go for. There are no English teacher awards but if there were, I think I have a shot at winning most consistent English teacher. Although this past week, I was sick and my Tuesday video didn't come out till Wednesday and I actually didn't do two videos on my other channel and I didn't like that. I like to be consistent. So, if there are ever awards for YouTube English teachers and if you have to vote, vote for me in the most consistent teacher category. I think I have a chance of winning that one. What do you guys think? Uh let me see. Lolly says, I love pizza but without pineapple. I don't mind it with pineapple. Um Julia says, I love questions about food. Uh I think Julia, I could do English lessons about food almost every week. They are some of the most popular lessons that I do. Uh and Rod says, you're amazing, sir. Thanks, Rod. Thanks for the uh vote of approval. Um Carlotte has the next question. Carlotte says, how to learn a new word and memorize it. So, there's a few ways to learn vocabulary. One method is just kind of what I would call brute force. Brute force is when you make a list and you just you write out the words hundreds of times until you have them memorized. You use brute force. A better way to learn a new word is to quickly use it in a sentence in an English conversation within a few days of learning it or to use it in some English writing. If you can use a word every a few times after you learn it, you will remember it. A friend of mine said when he lived in China and he was learning Chinese, he would learn food words, kind of funny, but he would go to the market right away and try to use those words in a conversation with the people selling the food uh just so that he could remember it better. Let's see here. Will do teacher Bob. You really are. Bob, you are very kind. You, Rod, and Brent are awesome teachers. Thank you so much, Sita, for that uh, for that comment. And Lolly says, so let's say you're one of the best teachers on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like I say, I'm just a guy that likes doing English lessons. That's me. Let's go to the next question. Oh, this one has a bad word in it but I'm gonna answer it anyways. Harwaz says, Hi, teacher. What is the definition or what is the difference between beach and bitch? The reason I want to answer this question even though bitch is considered a bad word is because um people who are learning English often mispronounce beach. You go to the beach to play in the sand and to enjoy the summer weather. You go to the beach. Um technically, bitch is the word for a female dog but it's also a derogatory statement for a woman that you don't like. So, don't ever use that word. It's very important that you understand how to pronounce beach because you don't want to accidentally use the word bitch, okay? You want to avoid using that word entirely. So, you've heard me say both of them a few times. Try to practice saying beach. It's a nice day to go to the beach. I really like to go to the beach. The beach is a great place to go. So, again, the second word which I don't wanna say anymore, it's a very 
Like it's a bad word. It's a derogatory term. It's just not a good word to say but as I've told you before, when you're learning a language, you need to learn all the words. Not necessarily to use them but so you can recognize them or avoid accidentally pronouncing them. So, there you go. Uh let's see here. Um Bob, you are very kind. Oh, I read that one already. I just thought I'd read it again. No, I'm just kidding. Um um let me see here. Panthera says, you use the expression never in all my born days for expressing that something has never happened before. Um let me see here. I've never seen that in my entire life. Um I wouldn't use the phrase never in all my born days. That's an unfamiliar phrase to me. I'm trying to think of what my version of that phrase and I think I would just simply say I've never seen that in my whole entire life. That's how I think I would say that. Hey, Elian has become a member of the channel. Welcome to the channel. That's awesome of you. Thank you for supporting the work I do. Madi says, hi, teacher. Hi, Madi. Um I don't have any questions. Just I wanna say hi to you and I'm a little busy. Yes, life's like that sometimes, isn't it, Madi? Sometimes you get busy and that's just the way it goes. Um let me see here. Let me get to the next question. Elmer, hello, boss. Could you please explain how one can pronounce can take and can't take clearly so that it doesn't sound the same. So, this is tricky, Elmer because when we say, you know, I can take you to the, let's say you needed to go to the airport. If you said, Bob, can you take me to the airport? I could say, yeah, I can take you to the airport. I could also say, no, I can't take you to the airport. If you listen to those two sentences, I hardly pronounce the T on can't. So, what you need to listen for is this. If I say, sure, I can take you to the airport. You know because I said sure that I'm using the word can. If I say no, I can't take you to the airport. You know because I said no that I'm using can't. So, again, I know other English teachers on YouTube have explained this that um we don't really pronounce the T. We do say it a little bit though. So, listen again. Yes, I can take you to the airport. No, I can't take you to the airport. It sounds very similar. You just kind of have to learn the context of the phrase. That's the best way to do it. Um let me see here. I need to turn off chat. Well, not turn off chat but I need to turn normal chat back on. Let me get that done and let me just say once again, thank you to everyone who's a member. You guys are awesome. If any of you are out there considering supporting my channel, there is a join button below. I'm not gonna talk about it for too much longer because I wanna keep answering questions. Let's see here. Karem says, hi, Bob. I'm Karem from Turkey. My question is, can we gain fluency in a language when we pass the age of 30 years? Yes, I think you absolutely can. I think there's this feeling by some people that it's better to learn a language when you're young and that you can't learn it when you're old. The reality is that when you are very young, you can learn a language I think a lot more quickly and more likely you will not have an accent. I think when you're older, you can still learn a language. You might have to work a little harder at your pronunciation um so that you can pronounce things clearly. Uh and you will probably have a slight accent which I don't think is a problem. So, I think you can totally gain fluency after the age of 30. The reason I say this is because 
my parents came from Holland as children. But in my life, because I am an immigrant's son from uh, in Canada, other people have moved to Canada from Holland who were older and eventually they speak fluent English and they are over the age of 30. I actually know quite a few people who moved to Canada from Holland who were older than 30 who within a few years were very fluent in speaking the English language. So, I'm not too worried about it. Um, so, here we have a question from Alejandra. I can't hear contractions in sentences. So, I, I did modify your question there, Alejandra. I can't hear contractions in sentences. So, it's difficult. We just looked at I can and I can't um where it's a little hard to hear. Like um it's a, it's easier to hear things like I would or I wouldn't, right? When you say I wouldn't, you can hear the T at the end. Um but yes, if I say um I like don't, I guess don't is easier too because it's related to not. But certainly, it is tricky. Again, look for other words um that you can look for as trigger words. If there's a yes or no at the beginning, it might help you just a little bit. Um let's see here. Israel says, hello, teacher. How are you? I'm good, Israel. What does toward, dig, and catering mean? Sorry, I have several questions. Thanks a lot. So, when you walk toward something, it means that you're you're getting closer, okay? Um if someone throws something towards you, it means that it's coming in your direction. Um if you point towards something, it means that you are indicating that it's in that direction. So, that's toward. Dig simply means to take a shovel and make a hole in the ground. So, often Oscar, our dog, will dig a hole in the ground. But it can also mean that you like something. It's kind of an older word. Like, if you're like, oh, like, did you dig that movie? Yeah, I really dug it. Um, sounds kind of weird when I say that because those are words from maybe the 70s. Do you dig it? Um, and then catering. Uh, catering is when someone makes food for an event. So, when you have a wedding, there is usually a catering company that comes and provides the food for the wedding. If you have an event at work, they might hire a caterer to make lunch. So, that person would have a catering business. Um often at my work, um when we have a big lunch, sometimes they will hire a caterer and that will be someone who owns a catering company. So, they come and they bring food. Uh let's see here. Um Renata says, good afternoon, Bob. I hope you're doing well, sir. I am. What's the difference between prize and award? Thank you in advance. Um so, a prize is something you win. An award is something you win. There's no real difference other than a prize can be a thing. Like, you might enter a contest and you might, the prize might be a new camera. So, you win a camera, okay? But when you get an award, it's usually more like you did really well in school and so you get an award for doing well. Or maybe you in our school, if you are never absent or in my kid's school, I think, if you are never absent from school, at the end, you get an award which is a piece of paper saying that you have won the student who attended the most classes award. So, a prize is usually a thing. An award is usually recognition usually on paper. That's what I would say. Uh let's see here. 
Alex says, hi, Professor Bob or hi, Prof Bob. I'd like to know if there's any difference between characteristics and features and make more videos in outdoor places or malls. Have a nice day. You rock. Well, thank you. Um, I'll address that second part in a bit but characteristics are usually used to describe like people or animals. So, they have certain characteristics like one of my characteristics is I I tend to talk with my hands a little bit. That's one of my characteristics. A feature is usually used to describe a thing. Now, this isn't 100% true but it is mostly true, okay? Um some of my kids have similar characteristics to me, okay? So, they have things they do that seem the same as the things I do but a car might have a lot of features. It might have air conditioning and power windows and four-wheel drive. So, it has a lot of features. So, it just means when you describe a person or thing, if you're describing a person, you might describe their characteristics. When you describe a thing, you might describe their features. Uh let me see here. Aperva. Hi, Aperva. What all should I do to practice my English? That's a great question. Um I always say you should do everything. No, um that's not possible. Okay, if you want to learn a language, I think the first thing you need to decide is how much time do you have each week to spend learning that language, okay? So, look at your job or maybe you're in school and decide do I have one hour a day? Do I have two hours a day? First of all, determine how much time you have each week. Once you know how much time you have, I recommend you divide that time equally between reading, writing, listening, speaking, learning some vocabulary and then maybe learning a bit of grammar. So, in the survey I just did, most people said they study English for about 10 hours per week. Let's make it simple and say that you're going to study English two hours per day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. I would then focus on spending some time reading on Monday, writing on Tuesday, listening on Wednesday, speaking on Thursday with an English speaking partner and then on Friday, just practice the vocabulary that you learned earlier in the week. Um but really, it depends on your time and I do highly recommend that you hire an English tutor for 30 minutes or one hour a week of that time. I I just think it's very, very valuable. Um let me see. Gulnaz says, hi, Bob. I really love your lessons. They help me a lot. Thank you for everything you do. You are very welcome. Thank you so much um for that compliment and I do wanna welcome Inda who has become a member of the channel. That's awesome, Inda. I just love seeing all the new members. Name gets to be in green in the chat now, Inda and you get a small crown uh and a few other fun things like an extra video on Wednesdays. That's one of the other things that you get. Let's see here. Alexandra from France says, great to see you, Bob. Could you explain to us the difference between augury and omen? I look forward to your response. So, augury is a very old word and it has to do with predicting the future and I don't really know a lot about it. It's not a common word. I think the last time I saw that word was when I was reading an Asterix and Ublix comic book which originally I think comes from Belgium or France. Um but omen we do use sometimes. There might be a good omen or a bad omen. In fact, yesterday I did a lesson on superstitions and I didn't talk about omens but some people will look at something as a good omen. If the 
um, sun is shining during a rainstorm and there's a rainbow, they might think it's a good omen. That means it's a good sign. A bad omen might be if you see a bird on your way to work or a black cat, that might be a bad omen for you. Um but augury, not a very common English word uh that not one that we would use in every day's speak, <laughs> speech. Um so, Alan says, let me just check one thing, everybody. I wanna make, see where I'm at here. Oh, yeah, I got quite a ways to go. I've not answered questions fast enough. Sorry, I'll keep going. Alan says, Bob, the teacher, I'm from Taiwan. I've got a question that keeps baffling me. What does this sentence, life today is razor's edge tense mean? Thank you for your reply. So, a long time ago, like when I shave now, I use a razor but inside there are razor blades. A long time ago, you could have a razor blade and the edge of the razor blade is very sharp. So, we have the the term in English, the razor's edge. Um it just means that life right now is very, very stressful. They're just using razor's edge tense as kind of a poetic way or um kind of a metaphorical way to describe what life is like right now. That goes all the way back to the first question, I think. Um so, it simply means life is very, very, very stressful. Um let me see here. Um Sahith says, what is the most important to do in English? Reading, writing, listening, or speaking? All four. That's just my recommendation. There are teachers that recommend that listening is the most important. Um that if you listen to hours and hours of English, it will help you. I do agree with that. Listening a lot does help. But what I'm worried about is that if you spend all your time listening that you won't be practicing your reading, writing, and speaking. So, I often recommend that you do all four in equal amounts as much as you possibly can. Um by the way, writing was the least favorite I think, wasn't it? Of all the things on the survey. I know I have to check. Um let me see here. Next question is about religion. So, I will skip it. I tend to skip questions about religion, politics, and sex just because I don't want things to be I don't want people to start arguing in the chat. So, sorry about that. Um next question from Warwick. I don't avoid questions about food though. Hi, teacher Bob. Sometimes, food's name on the menu is quite long. How do native English speakers usually order that food? Speak its full name or just the short form. Thank you. Um like if there's potatoes au gratin. I know sorry French people. We don't say au gratin. We say au gratin. Um if there is um spaghetti with meatballs. If there is uh yeah, we say the whole word usually when we're ordering. Yes. If I wanted if there was like the um when you go for breakfast sometimes, there's the trucker's special. Apparently, people who drive trucks eat large breakfasts at restaurants. Um I would say I'll have the trucker special. So, I would say the whole name because when I'm in a restaurant, I want to make sure I get exactly what I ordered. So, I would say the whole name definitely. Let's see here. Um Mohammed says, I love your videos and could you please make a video of the food products names and thank you so much. I will do that at a certain point. That is a good idea. Maybe I should just stand in my kitchen and show you everything that we have in our kitchen in terms of food. Let's see here. Vijola says, I don't know how to correctly read. What do you recommend? 
I would say again, start with books that are fairly easy. There's nothing wrong with reading a children's book to begin your English reading experience and then slowly find harder and harder books to read. I also recommend that you read the news in your own language and then read the news in English. So, pre-read the news stories in your own language and then read the English version of those news stories and your brain will start to connect um the two. Let's see here. Artie says, what is the role of imitation to get fluent with the English language and how often should we do it? Please answer. So, imitation or shadowing or simply copying or repeating after someone is a very important part of the speaking component of learning a language. I think you should be spending probably if you're spending an hour a week practicing your speaking, you should be spending about 30 minutes having an actual conversation with an English speaker and you should spend the other 30 minutes speaking out loud doing some imitation or shadowing of videos. I think you should be doing 10 or 15 minutes a week for sure of that uh and sing out loud as much as you can. That's the other thing I highly recommend. Um Frank says, what is the difference between like this and like that? You should do it like this. You shouldn't do it like that. You shouldn't do it. So, when I say like this, I'm showing someone how to do it, okay? If you write with a pen, you should do it like this. If I look at what they're doing, I would use like that, okay? I I see you're doing it like that but you should do it like this, okay? I see you're making that cake like that. I think it would be better if you make your cake like this. So, it's simply a matter of who's doing the speaking. Let's see here. Um So, next question says, today is Diwali. By the way, happy Diwali to all of you out there who celebrate it. Um we are a multicultural country in Canada. So, we have many different cultures and religions. So, it was clear to me when I woke up this morning when I read the news that many people in Canada are celebrating Diwali. So, very, very cool. It was actually on the news this morning. They were talking about how the celebrations were different this year because of COVID. Natalia has the next question. Does the word reckon mean more think, consider, expect or believe? For example, I reckon today will be a good lesson. What did I want to say? It just means I think today will be a good lesson. I reckon today will be a good lesson. By the way, it's a very regional word. Very common word in some parts of the United States. When Canadians, when we use the word reckon, we're using it sometimes just to make fun of our neighbors to the south a little bit. So, we might we might actually say something. Brent is here still, right? Please don't be offended, Brent. But Canadians sometimes might say things like, I reckon they're gonna have an election down there. So, we might pretend we have a bit of a southern accent or who do you reckon will win that election? Sorry, I didn't mean to talk about the election or make a funny southern accent. But um we don't use the word reckon very often in Canada. We are familiar with it. It is probably a lot more common in the United States. Um let's see here. Angel says, hi, Bob. What's the difference between used to and would about describing things in the past? When I was a kid, I used to play games on the computer. When I was a kid, I would play games on the computer. In those two sentences, they mean the exact same thing. When we use used to, it generally means something you did in the past that maybe you don't do anymore. You know, when I was a kid, I used to be able to run fast. 
Now I can't run fast. If I said when I was a kid, I would run fast. It's a little more specific to a that time, okay? So, they're they're very similar but generally when you use used to, it's something that you used to do. <laughs> and then, um, when you say would, it's similar to that. I'm just laughing at Brent's response who says, oh gosh. <laughs> yes. Anyways, um did you know Canadians sometimes make fun of Americans? Sorry. Sorry, Americans who are here. Sometimes we we do make a little just a little bit like in a kind way, I think. So, uh let's see here. Omar says, hola, Mr. Hello, Mr. Bob. I would like to thank you for your useful lessons. No problem, Omar. I have a question. What does submission mean? So, it can be used as a noun. When you are let's say they're having a contest for story writers and you need to submit a story. Your story would be called a submission, okay? So, when you write the story and when you send it in to the contest, that would be your submission, okay? So, it's the thing that you submitted. Um submission can also mean, you know, to give up. You need to submit. So, in wrestling, there are submission moves where you try to pin the person to the mat. Um so, it can mean that as well. Uh let me see here. Alexander says, do you really say zebra crossing? I have not said zebra crossing. Not quite sure what it means. I don't regularly use that phrase at all. Um Larissa says, which books do you recommend for self-study? Thank you. So, Larissa, I plan to do a video in the future where I'm going to order some study guides for the IELTS test and the TOEFL test. Um I don't have any that I can recommend but I know when people are preparing to take those English tests, they sometimes use those test kits. So, I think I might order a couple this winter. Not because I need to learn English but I might make a video where I kind of look at them and then recommend which one would be best for learning English. So, I don't have any recommendations now although I do have a video about books you should read if you're learning English. They're just novels. I usually recommend books like The Pearl by John Steinbeck uh or Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card or The Martian by Andy Weir. All very, very good books. Uh Zebra Crossing is a pedestrian crossing. Huh. I so I've never said that. It might just be because I'm old, Alexander and Bernadette. It's possible. Let's see here. Um Katerina says, good evening, dear teacher Bob. Do you have some winter shows on TV in Canada. Thank you. Warm weekends. Um we don't have specific shows for the winter although there are a lot of sports usually in the winter. In Quebec City, they have these downhill ice skating races. I don't know if you've ever seen them. They have uh of course, luge and bobsledding and outdoor hockey and there's just many, many things that usually in a normal year would happen outside. So, hey, I got a super chat from homework. Hi, homework. Teacher Bob, I always found myself wondering what does empath mean? Anita Murjani always says this word. It means believers, followers, esoteric person. An empath is someone who is empathetic and who can feel what other people are feeling just by listening to them or being with them. It means that let's say so empathy is not sympathy, okay? Sympathy is when you feel bad for someone. Empathy is when you know how they feel. So, an empath is a person who when they see a sad person, they feel sad as well. When they see an angry person, they can sense that person's emotions. So, 
Um, and then there's kind of a supernatural element to it as well. So, I, I don't know all the details but that would be my explanation. I'm just gonna check where I'm at. I'm gonna say that. Let's see here. Looks like yeah, I'm gonna do a few more questions Todd and Dave if you could stick around. I won't get through all the questions but I'll try to go a little more quickly. Let's see here. Beth says, I understood what you said and I will tell you what I heard. These sentences are correct in terms of English grammar. If no, how should they be? Thank you. Oh, I understood. I've, I understood what you've said and I will tell you what I heard. That's totally correct. Yes. You could also say, I have understood what you have said and I will now tell you what I have heard. That works too. So, it's the second part. I will tell you what I heard. I will tell you what I have heard. You can say both. They are both correct. Uh let's see here. Um Nadim, what are other synonyms of saying I got bluffed or cheated by? Um taken advantage of, ripped off. I got ripped off. That's another one. Um definitely. If you got cheated, you could say you got ripped off for sure. Um next question. Hi, Bob. What's the meaning of bite the bullet? It means that you have a job to do and you need to get started right away. Okay? So, if let's say you needed to unload all the groceries from the car and you don't feel like doing it, you would say, ah, I just need to bite the bullet and that just means you just need to get started and you need to get them unloaded. Uh let's see here. Margaretha, please explain the meaning of to read into and to career. It might be careen off but so, when you read into something, it means you think more is happening than what actually is. Let's say my mom stopped in to um to say hi. If I read into it, I might think my mom stopped by to say hi but she also probably wants to borrow something. So, when you read into something, you look at someone's action and you imagine they want more or they're doing something more. When you careen off the road, it means you just you drive off the road erratically. It career off, I don't think is a phrase. Let's see here. Aaron says, hi, Bob. My question is simple. I was wondering if there is any distinction between at the front of or in front of. Thank you. Many students will sit at the front of the class. Sometimes you will go to the front of the line. Um when I was waiting for my COVID test on Monday, I was at the front of the line but when you say in front of, you're describing where you are in relation to another person. Okay? So, I was in front of another person. Um when I sit at the front of the class, I am in front of the person behind me. So, there's some example sentences for you. Um let's see here. Panthera says, hi, dear teacher. If you say, please take sides, that means please make a decision. Is there any other way to express this in a quite formal or polite way? Thank you. When you say, please take sides, let's say, (laughs) this is a hot topic. Let's say there's an election in a a fictional country called, no, I don't wanna, let's not pretend. Let's say that there was an election and we're not sure who won. If you say please take sides, it means please give your support to one person or the other, okay? So, it does mean to make a decision. When my children are fighting and I'm not sure which child to believe, sometimes I need to take sides. I need to think, okay, this child seems like they're explaining things more logically. So, I'm gonna take their side. So, it's a tricky one. Yes. 
<laughs> Marsan says, hello, you handsome bear. What is the difference between shadow and shade? Best regards from Poland. So again, shade is something that happens under a tree or beside a building. When the sun hits the tree, it creates shade under the tree or it creates shade beside the building. A shadow is something that happens when the sun hits me. You will see my shadow. Technically, shade, no, I don't wanna say this. I don't wanna confuse you. Shade happens under a tree or beside a building or when the sun is blocked by something. You would be in the shade. The shadow is something that's caused when the sun hits people or other things. You will see their shadow on the ground. Yeah. Brent says, oh no, election talk. Ah, uh, yeah. I'm trying to avoid election talk. Um, Mohammed says, I want to go to Canada. Please help me. You can search for either one of two things. On Google, search for how to visit Canada. And secondly, you can search how to immigrate to Canada. Both will take you to the uh, Canadian government websites. One will take you to the tourism section. One will take you to the immigration section. And there you will find more information. Edwin says, Hi, Bob. Hope you're doing well. How often do you hold these live lessons? How do I get notified about them? So, you can click this subscribe button, Edwin, and you will get notified. And I do them every Friday at 7.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and on Saturdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So, those are the things you could do to get that. Um, Brent said, I did a great video this summer about shadow and shade. I should do another one. That question comes up a lot. Maybe I'll do some weird video this week where I jump around between the (laughs) the shade and the shadow. Let's see here. Next question from Asma. Hi, Bob. Your lessons are great. I have a question. Should we say he needs practice in writing or practice upright? He needs to practice his writing. He needs practice in writing. All of those would work. Um, What does he need practice in? Oh, he needs to practice his writing. We usually use the pronoun then. Um, But definitely, I think the most correct would be he needs to practice his writing. That's how I would say it in English. Uh, Let's see here. I'm skipping some questions. Sorry, everybody. Um, Mohammed says, hello, teacher. Do you believe in English fluency in six months? I think the minimum amount of time you need to become fluent in a language depends more on how many hours per day you spend, not on how many months you spend. If you were to study English, let's say you moved to an English speaking country and you were in English language school for six hours a day and you spent all of your time doing everything in English, I think in three to six months, you would have a very good grasp of the language. I'm not sure if you would be fluent, but you would be a very proficient English speaker. Um, If you're spending an hour a day, I'm not sure you'll be fluent in six months. You're looking at more like a year or a year and a half to attain fluency. So, I think it depends more on how fast you can learn and how many hours you spend. Um, Let's see here. Hi, Bob. What is the word stretch? What is the meaning of the word stretch? I I hear many Americans say that. So, first of all, If I go like this, that's a stretch. I am stretching. But we also use it to talk about something that's hard to believe. If someone says, oh, that's a stretch. That means that you've said something. You can see, you could see in my facial expression like, oh, that's a stretch. Like if someone was to say, um, 
let me see here. Um, he's going to buy an old car and he's going to enter that car in a car race and he's going to win first place. You would say that's a stretch. Basically, you're saying that's not very believable. The last way I will talk about using it is sometimes you do something for a stretch, okay? So, in my life for a stretch, I was a construction worker. I was a construction worker during the summer um when I was a university student. So, so during that stretch of my life, I was a construction worker. There's probably more um than that, uh, Ling Yun, but uh, those are your answers. Jewel, do you praise your children or students a lot? Yes, but only when they do things well. I don't give false praise. I probably praise my students more than my children. Um but I do like to praise people when they do good work and when it's actually good work. I don't like to praise people just so that they'll like me. So, in my classroom and with my kids, I do give praise. Honestly, I think I praise my students at school more than my own kids. My own kids are gonna watch this someday and say, yeah, that's true. That's very true. Um but I think praise and legitimate or honest praise is very, very valuable. Um Inda says, Bob, why is learning English so hard? So, it's hard because there's a point at which learning English becomes a little more, it becomes easier but that first little bit is very, very difficult. When you get to the point where you know two or three thousand English words and you can read English fairly well, it actually does get easier um but I think it's that starting point that's a little bit challenging sometimes and can be very, very difficult. Um let's see here. Last question, everybody. Mattia from Italy says, go buy some bread or go to, hello, teacher Bob. Should I say buy some bread or go and buy some bread? Yeah, you can say both. I could say, I'm gonna go buy some bread today or I'm going to go and buy some bread today. You can say both um and they're both probably as common. I'm going to go buy some bread. I'm going to go and buy some bread today. I don't know why we add the word and but that's a common phrase. By the way, I this one's funny for me because we're out of bread. Um I took the last loaf of bread out of the freezer today. So, hey everybody, I'm gonna wrap this up. So, my uh I don't wanna lose my voice. I've been talking for over an hour. Thank you so much for watching. Don't forget that re-watching this later in a few hours with English subtitles on can be very helpful for your uh what you've learned today. Also, if there were questions where you didn't quite understand the answer, do go back and re-watch it later today or tomorrow. It's always a good thing. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks to Dave and Todd for both being here. Thanks to Todd for making it. Originally, Todd wasn't gonna be able to be here but he was able to be here and I just wanna say a big shout out to Rod once again. Rod, the Brazilian English teacher. Go have a look at his channel on YouTube. He has a new video coming out later today. Big thank you to Brent for being in the chat. It's so nice to have other English teachers in the chat like Brent and Rod. Um they're quite helpful and I do like uh the banter as well. Uh thank you so much to all of my members and do remember if you are interested in supporting me, there is a join button down there and if you just want to subscribe, there is a subscribe button right there. It's totally free. Anyways, have a great weekend. I'm going to uh go buy some bread or go and buy some bread. (laughs) One of the two is what I'm going to do this afternoon. 
Uh, bye everybody. Have a great day. Thanks for hanging out for just a little bit. Hi, Bob the Canadian here. Thank you for listening to this English podcast lesson. If you would like to support me in the work that I do as an online English teacher, please visit patreon.com slash bobthecanadian.